Welcome to Canada's podcast. Ian, uh, welcome to Canada's podcast. Great to meet you. Um, uh, I've been looking forward to it. I've done, done a little bit of research on, on you. And uh, Fuel Positive is a very interesting company. Um, but, you know, we're here to talk about your entrepreneurial journey. So, you know, tell us a little bit more about your journey today. You know, why you became an entrepreneur, um, you know, what, where you are today, you know, and you can do a little, little fuel positive kind of descriptor, that's fine. Sure. Uh, and then we'll kind of give us a quick sort of three to five minutes on that side of things. Oh, yeah. Well, first of all, thank you for inviting me to participate. It's a, it's a real pleasure, pleasure, uh, pleasure to be here, a pleasure to, you know, talk to a Canadian audience and really focus on on um, uh, on how proud I am to be a Canadian and doing the kind of work that we have been doing and are doing now is uh, it's a it's a, a very Canadian centric story. So I'm I'm really happy to uh, to uh, to be here for that. Um, but historically, I, I I think I've only ever known what it is to be an entrepreneur. Uh, both my parents very entrepreneurial architects and. Um, and very much in, involved in the arts in Toronto growing up. So I never really saw anything other than kind of an entrepreneurial approach to life. And that was that, um, it, and not to fault anyone who is, is working nine to five. I mean, I mean, it's the, the core and basis of our, uh, of our, of our workforces, obviously in so many places, um, but also to to have the experience that that you could always look for for a different opportunity, um, be inspired by different things, be drawn in many different directions. Uh, it's a bit of a blessing and a curse, uh, as you know. So, yeah. um, so this has always always been the kind of the foundation of 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 how I grew up. Um, I became very interested in photography um, at a young age. Um, I had the incredible opportunity to be one of um, Ansel Adams' assistants when I was 17 years old, wow. um, working in Yosemite and in Carmel. Um, so at the very beginning of my life, having exposure and experience with somebody at the end of their life who, of course, had had such an incredible uh, cars behind me by the way. I saw the cars. <laughs> I can see the cars. I'm wondering if there's an Adams print around the corner. So, yeah, and if I turned off my green screen, you'd see a bunch of Adams stuff. <laughs> um, but uh, but it, that did two things for me. I mean, it, you know, it made me realize that you can have a lifetime of creativity, and 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 that that's an option, but also. Um, his huge focus on the environment, of course, and 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 preserving this fragile earth that we all take for granted um, was a big sort of a foundational part of of certainly my character. Um, and and that it, that yeah, at different yeah. stages in my life informed my uh, informed my journey. And whereas I don't want this to be, to be a sponsored podcast, I mean, a lot of people don't know what fuel positive is up to them on, on an innovation level. And I think, you know, based on today's climate, where we're at with, with, with climate change, with supply chain, with, with Ukraine and, uh, and you know, shortage of, of fertilizer and all kinds of things like that, maybe you can just explain a little bit about the innovation that, that Fuel Positive has, uh, you know, 
is sort of is deep into basically. So I so two things. I mean, Fuel Positive is a is a company that focuses on the decentralization of of production of of key product. So our first offering is um, is green ammonia. So green ammonia is or ammonia rather is a, a resource, a commodity that's been around for over a century. Um, it's used heavily in agriculture, of course, as a fertilizer, and it's produced in one of the most carbon-intense processes around the world. So it's a huge polluter, but it's also an essential element in um, in feeding people around the world. So mm-hmm. farmers use various types of ammonia and nitrogen fertilizers, of course, to grow crops. And the way it's done today is that you'll have a plant in Russia or Ukraine or you know, the southern United States producing ammonia um, in this highly carbon intense process, uh, reliant on fossil fuels, and then transporting it all over the world, right? So um, by the time it gets to the farmer, by the time it gets to the farm, it's traveled typically, you know, thousands and thousands of kilometers. It's accumulated tons and tons of carbon to get from uh, production to uh, to end use uh, and it's gone up in price uh, in a you know by or you know orders of magnitude in yeah. that process <laughs> so we were about 18 months ago were introduced to um, a scientific group at uh, Ontario Technology University just outside of Toronto um, yeah. who had developed a modular and scalable, green ammonia technology, where basically you take sustainable electricity, so wind or hydro or solar electricity, um, carbon-free electricity, uh, and you produce green ammonia through a, through a hydrogen and nitrogen process. And what we discovered was that this was such an efficient way of producing ammonia that we could then build systems that a farmer could have on their farm. Right. So we could take away the entire supply chain, um, the uncertainty of supply, uh, the crazy cost um, increases. I mean, the, the price of ammonia in Manitoba just over the last year has gone from six hundred dollars. Uh, last quote was twenty five hundred dollars per ton. Oh, so and, and fertilizers are, are the number one input on any farm. So the cost uh, so farmers are facing bankruptcy or the option of not fertilizing or fertilizing much less, reducing yield, reducing income. And it's just a, you know, it's a, it's a it cascade. Yeah. 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 It's like a domino effect for them. So we were saying, wait a second, I, we can fix this problem. We can create a system that can be installed on farm, produce and store anhydrous ammonia for the farmer. Uh, they can then, they have certainty then over price and supply, uh, and then they can use it responsibly on the farm, uh, which they've been doing in many, in some cases for decades, uh, and have that certainty. Um, the other thing that it does is, and it's little known fact that, that um, anhydrous ammonia can also be used as a fossil fuel replacement. So mm-hmm. the same farmer who their two biggest inputs are fertilizer and fuel can produce all of their own fertilizer and fuel on farm. They can power their tractors. They can use their grain dryers. Um, they can fertilize their fields. And if they have their own solar array or wind on their farm uh, generation, they can be completely off grid 
and and be independent. So you can imagine, I mean, coming out of supply chain nightmares from COVID and and the horrible situation in Ukraine today, um, we're just seeing how vulnerable these antiquated distribution systems are and way of doing business is. So as I said, this is our first offering, but we're all about decentralization. We think the same can happen in in many aspects of transportation and uh, and uh, refrigeration is another huge opportunity here as well. Anyhow, so yeah, that's the, in a nutshell. Very interesting. Let's move back to you again. But that's, I mean, it's, it's cool stuff. I just think it's, it's really, really interesting. So let's just sort of throw something. It's, you know, what have you found is the best thing about being an entrepreneur? You, you know, you, we were talking about nothing wrong with the nine to five, and there is nothing wrong. In fact, in fact, there's a lot of good, good things about it. But for you, you know, you, you've been an entrepreneur for a long time. You know, what what makes you kind of hang in and, you know, have those highs, lows, risk days, success days, whatever? For me, uh, the biggest thing is is the people that I've been exposed to over the years, and learning um, learning ultimately who I can work with, who I can't work with. What sort of building really, really good teams uh, has been um, uh, has been, I think, part of the the most rewarding part of it. But also, I think one of the most challenging part of, part of it as well is is learning how to. You know, really trust your instinct, trust your gut when it comes down to to um, uh, to choosing the people that um, that you believe will make a good team. So, you know, as a as a leader of a team, uh, for me, it's all about um, it's all about the chemistry of that group of people and ensuring that you've got um, you've got people who have the same values, who who believe in the mission, which whatever it is that you're trying to achieve. Uh, that they really believe uh, believe in what you're doing and uh, believe in each other, uh, uh, communicate effectively, and uh, and uh, with that, I you know the you can really achieve anything. And as an entrepreneur, my my worst experiences have been when I haven't trusted that, or I've 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 you know been drawn in by narcissists, or I've been you know the, that certain types of people um you know come across as being you know really intriguing and supportive but when you start to work with them intensely and intimately you realize that you know they're they're it's all about them so learning to control ego has been a a big learning uh, over the years and and now i'm all about you know building consensus um you know, having a very um, horizontal structure in our organization. You know, I realize this. You know, in this, in Fuel Positive, I'm, I'm the chief executive. So, in a sense, the you know the buck stops with me, but it also stops. We're a public company, so with our board of directors. Um, but I don't, I don't try to operate the company with with any any sense of hierarchy. There's, you know, it's a cliche, but there's no stupid question. You know yeah. that sort of thing, and really. You know, really um, rewarding people as well. I think being a very generous leader, I think, is also um, incredibly important. You know, let, let's move on to 
for me, what, what, what's a key piece of entrepreneurship? You know, in terms of mentors, basically, and I would like to talk about them. I mean, you know, my father, you know, 50%, 50% planning, 50% hard work, 50% luck. 150% effort. That was, it's not a bad formula. It's not a bad formula, you know. Um, yeah. You know, we all have those things, whether it be a parent or, or, or somebody you've met along the way that, get, that, that we carry around in, in, a, in our, you know, in, a, in our back pocket. And, you know, you pull out every so often. You kind of talked a little bit about that. But, you know, in terms of mentorship, what what's, what do you feel is a piece of advice that you've been given that that, that resonates today even? Uh, well, I, I mean, my parents have had a huge influence on me. My father particularly was, um, he was an incredible listener. Um, and I often, when I get into situations where I'm confused or frustrated or don't know which way to turn, I realize that the the thing I shut down the first is my ability to listen. So typically in those scenarios now, I'll, I'll pause, I'll ask questions, I'll seek guidance. You know, I don't have to have all the answers. And, and knowing that is, is actually incredibly liberating. It takes a lot of pressure off. Mm -hmm. And and um, and then you share great ideas and you hear people. And, and uh, yeah, so definitely um, invoking that um, quality in my own my own dad was, you know, is, is important. He's been gone for, I guess, 11, 12 years now, and, mm -hmm. but he's still incredibly present. Right. And that, that yeah. aspect of, yeah. Yeah, influence is, is, is very strong in me. You know, a little bit on that, you know, if you can go back 20 years, 25 years, you know, what wouldn't you have done? If it, you know, in terms of if you look at that twenty odd years, what did you do that was really stupid that you kind of could pass on to people? Don't go there, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, and you, this was a hard learning, but but don't work with narcissists. I mean, it sounds again, it sounds like a an absolute um, a bit of a cliche today, and and you know the, we've seen just the most incredible. Um, uh, awareness around narcissism in our society over the last five years, but 20 years ago, you didn't really know what a, it, it wasn't a descriptive, uh, a descriptive word. Um, but the worst times I've had in business is when I've been, um, been in relationships, business relationships uh, with a narcissistic personality. Uh, and they're, as I said earlier, they're really seductive, um, but they, oh, they only care about themselves and, and you can't, I, from my perspective, at least, you can't build a healthy, um, successful business um, uh, around narcissistic personalities. And that's not to say that there aren't any businesses that are phenomenally successful led by narcissists, but mm -hmm. they're the same ones where you get the horror stories of working with the, those people. So, and it's not all about money. It's not about that. It's about it's about good, healthy uh, relationships. And then. The other thing is to, you know, treat people fairly um, is is critical. I've always tried to do that. It's not a problem. But um, again, when you when you have people who are, you know, driven by greed or 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 by fame or those types of, you know, very shallow um, uh, pursuits, soul pursuits, 
I'm not saying that you can't have things in a in a good balance. Um, but if if anything like that is is sort of driving the bus, then and then I find that things become uh, can become very dysfunctional very quickly. So I've learned through that, and I've gone through a number of 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 scenarios. Um, I've been in businesses that have been acquired by much larger companies. Um, complete dysfunction in terms of how to acquire. Um, so as we, uh, I mean, we've done a, our, our first major acquisition a year ago was the technology related to this green ammonia, mm -hmm. incredibly easy negotiation with the inventors. Um, uh, we were able to strike an incredibly fair uh, uh, deal um, with them. Uh, again, very generous, um, but realistic in the context. So again, learning to, you know, learning to treat people fairly has you know, that's been, it's been a struggle. And, and I think I finally, you know, after 30 years of doing it, I finally figured that one out. So if you had to pick one word to describe Ian Clifford, what would it be? Why? I want to say probably at this point in my life, I think, um, fair. I think that I'm I, I I try to be really um balanced in terms of how I look at situations, um, how I work with people. Um I I I in, in terms of fairness, I I take people at their word and at their value. I give people the chance to um, you know, to 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 succeed. Mm -hmm. Um but I'm I'm not that doesn't mean I'm easy. Um, but I'm fair. So if, if you are who you say you are, um, which comes down to honesty, um, I'm, I'm, again, I, 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 I love working with people in that context and with that level of trust and, uh, and transparency. Yeah. A fun one. Are you a morning or a night person? I think I'm a morning person. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's about 80%. <laughs> really? Oh, that's interesting. It's funny, it's funny you know. Just a very, you know, uh, yeah. it's amazing how many people say morning. But I've got a lot of that. I mean, it's interesting. A lot of my decision points, they have very often at around two in the morning, I'll wake up and and have this moment of clarity, write it down. Thankfully, yeah. it's forgotten in the morning. But and when most I'm of it's not garbage. I never, I never stop thinking when I'm on something. <laughs> right, I just can't do. It. Yeah, but you know, what books are you reading? Let's change that a little bit. You don't have to be reading them. What what books have you read that have that you would say if you haven't read it, you must. Okay. Well, it's an interesting. I, it, it goes back because I used to read an awful lot when I was younger, and um, and I, interestingly, I really focused on novelists. So I read a lot of um, I read a, read a lot of Margaret Atwood, a lot of Marge Piercy. I was really fascinated in the the uh, sort of the female voice and mm -hmm. and understanding society through those um, through those incredibly profound filters. Um, and I think that 
it's really important to go back to that. I, I mean, I think I, I think Margaret Atwood is 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 an absolute vital. She's, um, that, she's also in that shot behind me. Well. <laughs> <laughs> Hilarious. So there you go. Um, so I, obviously she was being channeled through the photograph. But um, so yeah. So I mean, Canadian authors over the years, Michael O'Dante and others. I mean, I've always had a real interest in in Canadian literature. I just find the way it's written feels very accessible, if you will. Um, so I, I highly, highly recommend. I'm doing less book reading now, um, sadly. I mean, I, I've I've moved over to, you know, more kind of podcast type information um, absorption, if you will, uh, as opposed to sitting down with a good book. But um, uh, we're taking some a bit of time off this summer, so I'm I'm really looking forward to uh, to actually cracking open a book for a change. So you know, you love Canada. You, you've grown up in Toronto, you know, and and you you you've really, I guess, always had a an international focus at the same time with it, with your company, you know. What what's so good about why why didn't you you know sort on down? I mean, you, you have an Austin you know which is a great city. You know, you have a you have an Austin sort of office there. Why wouldn't you? What what made you stay rooted here? Well, interestingly, I mean, Austin. We did um, we did live there for a few years uh, between 2016 and 2019. So mm-hmm. and then. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of a funny story. We drove down um, uh, in two th- summer of 2016 and, of course, crossed the border. And it was all Hillary posters until we started getting farther south. And, we saw a lot. and then we saw Trump posters and we were like, what is going on here? No one's going to vote for this guy. So anyhow, um, so we arrived in Austin, you know, and and lived through the election there and the just the whole sh- reshaping of the United States. Um, and you asked the question. So, you know, we were there for those several years of sort of incomprehensible change. And, and, I, and, you know, this sort of goes back to my point around narcissism. It was like suddenly narcissism was just the way to be. And, um, and it was so instilled throughout American society. And I, and I mean, globally, of course, as well, but it, I realized that I don't have this voice. Like this is not the way I think of the world. And 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 when I think of Canada, I I I don't think of I don't think of that. Even though I've, you know it's everywhere, but mm-hmm. I think of Canadians and just the way our society functions and so on is so differently than what I had experienced living in the states. So I really missed it. Um, part of it was, and it was just getting crazier and crazier. I mean. In Texas, I mean, they were passing open carry laws for guns and, you know, the downtown Austin was fine, but every kilometer you went from downtown, it just got, you know, weirder and weirder. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I, I mean, society, from a societal perspective, I, I mean, I think Canada is, you know, we've got our problems, obviously, but I think we've also got one of the greatest countries in the world and i you know i, I don't say that lightly I'm having still here after a few uh, quite a few decades uh, having traveled all over the world start here as you can hear but I, I, no i know i know and, and neither did my parents they came in the 50s and from europe and um 
from England and from Sweden. So I, I had a very, um, as a child, it was experienced Europe a lot. And, and yeah. as a young adult, as a photographer, I traveled all over the world. So I, I gained a lot of perspective. And this is, you know, I, I, I desperately want my own kids to just, you know, travel. And of course, like over the last couple of years with COVID, it's been so depressing because I think, you know, when I was 18, um, you know, I would do anything to be anywhere. And, and, uh, and, you know, my, our son who's 19 is like sort of has been trapped for the last couple of years and it's just been painful just yeah, to watch. So as we, yeah, but if you imagine being, you know, 18 in a pandemic, it's just uh, horrible. So, um, so Canada, again, I, I mean, how we handled the pandemic, um, you know, how we try to take care of each other, um, you know, with all the missteps, but I, I think there's a genuine, a so, genuine humanity in Canada, which makes us, yeah, makes us just move back. You know, what are you most excited about in your business and in sort of the emerging business of the future that, that maybe crosses over into other areas? Well, that the environment is central to everything. Like it's, there isn't a business now that doesn't have some sort of social responsibility. And I mean, a lot of it is lip service. I get it, but we've never been in this place before where there is such a profound focus on 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 saving the planet. And it's it and and people now realize that that's what we're doing. We don't have a choice. So, um, so the neat thing about being in our space is we're we're empowering you know people directly so you know farmers who will receive our systems will be direct recipients so it's not like a trickle down process you know through the supply chain it's like no we are putting a system on your farm we're cha- hopefully changing your life for the better um and 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 having a huge positive environmental impact at the same time um so, and and we're looking for like-minded con- uh, companies to work with um, in everything that we do. So we've, you know, sort of coined, um, not coined, but we've we've we utilize the, the expression "cradle to cradle" um, in terms of how we approach our business. So we know we're not perfect yet. We still get, you know, we get components from Europe and 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 other places in the world, um, but our intention is to source everything locally. Um, work locally um, and try to build this company as a very much as a Canadian company. Um, ultimately, we will export our technology around the world, but initially we're focused very much on on solving Canadian problems to start with. But um, but it, it, well, it's got, Canada's not a good, not not a bad pilot. I mean, it's a rather large <laughs> agrarian economy. Incredible, yeah. No, incredible. And a lot of progressive farmers, tons of progressive farmers and and also a great energy mix. So we're launching our initial systems in Manitoba, which is a, an entirely green grid, low, low cost electricity. It's perfect. So it's a perfect place to demonstrate the viability of what we're doing. Yeah, but it's Canada. And and again, we're getting inquiries from all over the world for what we're what we're proposing, because everyone realizes the way we the centralized models don't work anymore. It's the we've got to decentralize these 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 vital aspects of of our economies and and societies. Ian, I'm looking at our time. I think we're we're done. <laughs> uh, but you know, 
it's an interesting discussion. How can people get a hold of you? I mean, you know, we have lots of listeners and viewers and and that some of them, you know, may be really interested, um, you know, farmers, I'm sure, you know, the the the, the original entrepreneurs, I, I, I call them, but, um, uh, uh, you know, uh, how, how can people get a hold of you? Uh, easiest way is uh, just through email. So it's uh, ian um, at fuelpositive.com mm-hmm. uh, or through our website, which is fuelpositive.com. Mm-hmm. Um, tons of very interesting information there uh, it's a it's a very active website like we're it's it's a sort of a portal into the company if you will yeah. and and um, yeah I, I absolutely invite people to to visit us there and uh, and reach out yeah I mean we do, we do, we respond to every in, inbound inquiry so we're very serious about that thank you for coming on Canada's podcast great meeting you yeah pleasure thank you so much <laughs>